The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk the trade today is Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone. Arlen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And as we take a look here at the trade screen today, we start here on the grains and kind of a mixed bag as we end out the day. But I want to start on where it ended in the green, and that's the Kansas City Hard Red Winter Wheat. Uh, right now we've got the wheat tour going on across Kansas, parts of Nebraska, parts of Colorado, and Oklahoma. What are you hearing there coming from the wheat tour? Well, they're finding a lot of damage from the drought, particularly in southwest Kansas, northwest Oklahoma. That's where it's most intense. Also, freeze damage, particularly from the April freeze, and, and even from the January uh, uh, cold break outbreak that we had where we saw temperatures 10, 15 degrees below zero, uh, did some damage to the crop back then as well. So all of that uh, really becoming apparent. And, and I think the other theme that continues to come out that we've been harping for some time is the lateness of the crop. Now, the lateness of the crop did buy it some time waiting for rain, but now it also leaves it more vulnerable trying to make grain before the heat sets in. Uh, and it really makes it a challenge for those people who are on the tour trying to follow the formula that they have to follow every year to try to be consistent. Yes, there's no heads to measure. And uh, the, the Kansas crop simply isn't headed. I think officially 2% of it was headed as of Sunday. And, and uh, they're looking for both of those fields. They have found a few heads popping out, uh, but not many. So that leaves them counting tillers. Well, that's fine when the wheat is in the boot stage, and you can really tell which tillers are viable. But some of the wheat they've been looking at today is just in the early joint stage, where it should have been back in March for Kansas. And in fact, some of they've seen some wheat that's just emerging now since they finally have had some rains in some areas. They've been going through some areas that have had a half inch of rain since October, and so the seed has just been sitting there and finally emerging now. Uh, and uh, those tillers, even though they count them, they don't even know if they will even produce a head. And any grain that does produce a head is probably going to be filling in the June heat. And so there's some real questions about it. So it's really highlighting the problems and helping support the Kansas City wheat market. Arlen, when we see issues like this come up, we always kind of look to the past to what did we do then to what we could do now. Have we had a wheat crop that has just progressed this late in recent history? Well, I'd have to think back. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had a crop this late. Um, I would say overall much of the crop in Kansas is uh, people generally saying two to three weeks, and I would argue closer to a monthly. And I just, you know, even watching the trees and the shrubs try to leaf out and bloom and stuff, everything feels like it's about a month late. Uh, so that's about as late as a uh, crop that I've seen now in quite some time. And now when we continue on our wheat conversation here and talk about some spread trading and some spread action we've seen, the and, and I realize we're under the uh, first notice date here, but the May contracts between Chicago and Kansas City, up to today, they've been run and fairly consistent within pennies of each other. And then at the close and settlement of today, we're seeing May Chicago wheat a dime lower than Kansas City wheat. Is the market starting to feel more comfortable with that Chicago wheat and saying that it was maybe slightly overpriced? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, we were rationing soft-red winter wheat at the time when there's no problem with the soft-red winter wheat crop. Uh, we had a frost scare last weekend. We think we escaped that pretty well. That was primarily in the eastern Midwest, Indiana, Ohio, 
particularly along the Ohio River Valley probably is where we came the closest to doing some damage. But overall, the crop's in good shape. It's got good moisture. It's, it's looking good. Its ratings are pretty good. Uh, but it's been coming up simply because the funds had such large short positions there that when the hard red winter wheat tour was taking place in the plains, funds holding short positions in the Chicago soft red winter wheat market got nervous because of the problems in the plains and started covering their short positions. And that rallied Chicago at times even higher than, not higher levels, but at a faster pace than what Kansas City was. Now that many of those short positions have been unwound, we started seeing that kind of sink back, and particularly for that May contract that, that's going into delivery to a more realistic price level. And while we're focused on grains, let's kind of look at some outside market factors. We really saw those soybeans turn, and in some cases, double-digit losses by the settlement following the Fed announcement today. No real change in monetary policy. What did you take from that? Well, one of the things to keep in mind is it's not always what's visible, but sometimes what's invisible or not visible apparent to, to the farmer here in the United States, and that has to do with what's happening in currency markets. We've seen the dollar in anticipation of today's meeting. Now, it did take some profit taking after the meeting, but in anticipation of today's meeting, we've seen the dollar rally um, about 3.4, almost 3.5% or so over the last couple of weeks. That's a huge move in the dollar over such a short period of time. And so that meant the U.S. dollar became very attractive to foreign investors, including some of these developing countries like Argentina and Brazil. And their uh, currencies, the real in Brazil and the peso in Argentina, have absolutely collapsed with money leaving their countries and coming to the United States to take advantage of our higher yields. And so as their currencies have broke, and they broke hard again today, um, that, has, that makes their beans worth more uh, and encourages selling once the currency stabilizes, and that's bearish for U.S. soybeans. Our bean market does the best. They have stronger currencies. That's when we do best with our soybeans, and we compete best in the world market. Again, we're talking with Arlen Suderman here of INTLFC Stone on today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Right now, we've focused on the wheat tour, and I even talked with Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat, this morning, and he thought maybe they had hit on that better wheat yesterday, and it sounds like the folks that Arlen has talked with today is confirming that, starting to see some freeze damage there. And in the Kansas crop, the big thing, again, what we're seeing is just a lack of overall heads to even try to start calculating on these yields. So it's helping the Kansas City wheat market for sure. We saw the Fed come out. They came out uh, with no monetary policy change. So that kind of went against soybeans because of currency matters. Coming up next here on the Fontenelle Final Bell, we still got global weather patterns to talk about because that's affecting crops in South America as well as in Europe. So there's more coming up there and that live cattle cash basis. Keep listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Today we're talking with Arlen Suderman of INTL FC Stone. And Arlen, in our last segment, we focused a lot on the wheat crop, the wheat tour that's going on right now. We got to touching on some soybeans as well as that Fed meeting coming out, the Federal Reserve meeting coming out, I should say. Another thing to be taking a look at and what we're hearing a lot of chatter about is just global weather patterns. And let's start here in South America talking about that Safrina corn crop. What are you hearing from your sources? down south 
Yeah, talking to our team in Brazil, um, Safrina corn crop, the, the major producer there is Meta Grasso. Uh, a little less than 40% of Safrina corn is grown there. And Safrina corn makes up about 70% of what they produce. That's their winter corn, uh, in kind of a year-round production cycle, crop production cycle down there. That's And that's where, as I said, their exportable supplies. Meta Grasso, if you go northern and eastern half of the, of the region, and Meta Grasso is about 1.3 times the size of Texas. Northern and, and, and uh, western areas pretty much have enough moisture to finish out the crop. Very minor yield loss is possible there as the dry season has arrived early. Southern and um, eastern areas uh, are a little bit more vulnerable, and so we could take a little bit more of the cream off the crop there. Not significant losses, but as the grain fill, most of that corn's in the grain fill. As you go further south and central and southern areas, uh, they're in the pollination to early grain fill. And in fact, the southern areas, for some southern areas, they're not even pollinated yet. They're still vegetative. And the crops had very little rainfall during the month of April. It's been warm. Uh, they put the crop under stress, and they're seeing some yield reductions. So our team in Brazil has lowered their production estimate uh, to uh, 83.9 million metric tons. Uh, 83.9 million metric tons would be down from 86.46 the previous month. That equates to about 3.3 billion bushels. if the USDA would lower their estimate to that level, the QSDA is currently at 92 million metric tons, um, that would be the equivalent of about 330 million bushels pulled off of their export market that would be available for our export market to service. So it is a big deal uh, to see the production estimates start to fall. Further south in Argentina, we're seeing excessive rains. Uh, persistent rains. They're trying to harvest their drought-stricken corn and soybeans. Cannot get them harvested. But we do see some drier weather coming in in the 11 to 15-day period, but it's very short-lived with rains returning once again. So we think about 20 to 40 percent of the corn and soybeans will probably be negatively impacted by yield loss and quality concerns there in Argentina. Arlen, traders that are watching these markets, are they more concerned with where the U.S. crop is planting-wise, or are they more closely watching South America and the, the Safrina corn crop right now? And the answer is yes, <laughs> all of the above, and how they all, we're in a global market, so it's what does this do with global supplies? And I didn't even mention the dryness developing in southern Russia, southern Ukraine, corn and wheat growing areas. Uh, impacting production there. The impact so far has been rather minimal, but it's expected, forecasters expect a more persistent dry pattern to continue there to where it could create some problems. So particularly the fund managers who have such an influence in these markets today um, have a very favorable attitude right now toward the grain and oilseed complex. And so when they see this increased frequency of adverse weather after several years of having a pretty favorable weather patterns around the world, that gives them an excuse to go ahead and build ownership, and that's one reason we've seen strength in the markets of late. And Arlen, let's switch gears now as we start to round out our second segment here from grain so much now to livestock and cattle. We've seen on these live cattle they've got beat up once again here on the Joe's June-August contracts, but we're starting to see this historically wide cash basis really start to open up on us. What is your take on that? Well, the market is priced in a wall of cattle, a big supply of cattle that is expected to uh, to hit. It hasn't hit yet. 
And so the futures prices are down there. Expecting by the end of June, we're going to be trading cash below $105. Uh, we traded on the online exchange today, uh, weighted average uh, around uh, 122.40. We saw some cattle go in the north yesterday, very similar levels of 122. So we're obviously well above that, so we're roughly $17.5 now above where the June is trading. A year ago, we saw something similar, and the June rallied sharply. Uh, in early May. We haven't seen that yet this year to see whether that's going to happen. And it's kind of, is the board too low or is the cash too high or somewhere in between? And likely we're talking somewhere in between, but the market's trying to get a handle on the supplies right now and what's coming. The demand for product has been improving nicely. We've seen nice rallies there. We've got a late start to the, uh, to the barbecue season, and now we have Mother's Day coming up, graduation weekends coming up, and then followed by Memorial Day weekend, and a better weather pattern is setting up, so retailers are really trying to stock up. That is Arlen Suderman of INTLFC Stone joining us today for the Fontenelle Final Bell. Arlen, we thank you for joining us. We've covered a wide range of topics here today. But again, in these gray markets, the major thing that we keep going over is weather. And it's a global phenomenon happening right now. And that's a big driver in there. Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.